Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you this week? Great. It's great to hear the uh, Ric Flair chants again. Woo! You know, I think we, we missed it last week, so, you know. I'm. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, good. I, I thought, didn't we, weren't we out of the sound bits? Or oh, no, that, that was just the uh, the outro, so we, okay, we should have so had yeah, the intro. Too. But I, I, he's I can't. Actually, he's actually in town today, I think, because like, he has a new energy drink called Woo. He does. Promoting it at Giant Eagle, I think. I saw, I saw multiple pictures, and I was actually going to bring that up. But yeah, he's uh, the Nature Boy is in town with his new energy drink, Woo. It was funny. I, I looked at it. There's five O's in his Woo. So I guess if you want to spell it the official Ric Flair way, it's W with five <laughs> O's after. I feel like sometimes those Woos were definitely at least 10 or 15. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> JP, are you are you a Ric Flair fan? Yeah, I would say he's top five all time. Is he? Is he? Okay, you said top five. Is I he? Is he on the sure. Mount Rushmore? Because that's top four, I guess. So that's what everybody always says. Is he? You know, are you on the Mount Rushmore kind of thing? Um, of wrestling, yes, but of strictly WWE, WWF, you could argue not because the majority of his career was like NWA before WWE and then WCW as well. So it's kind of hard to argue. I, I followed this page on Instagram called No Context Ric Flair Memes, and it's just like a, a clip of him, and then it's just like, you know, oh, when, when the garbage man comes too early, or like, oh, when they forget yeah. to unload the dishwasher, <laughs> and then it's just whatever. He... Might be the best promo guy I've ever seen. One of them. Yeah, yeah I'm a I'm a big MJF fan as well yeah. on AEW right now, and definitely huge inspiration from Ric Flair. You could tell Ric well, Flair definitely. You could argue best on the mic, best heel on the mic for sure. Yeah, so. there, there might be better since, but they've all been completely influenced because of Ric Flair. Yeah, absolutely. You could see that, and you know, like Miz. Even he was kind of like early 2010s era, but definitely influence from flair heavily you could tell yeah absolutely he he's hilarious and uh i i will probably post this uh i'll, I'll post this or you can go on poor man's podcast instagram page there's a video of me talking about the rick flair woos with the uh, guest terry jones and he does a great dusty roads impression so so listen <laughs> to that and and the gist of what i was saying in that and we'll get to the sports talk right now but um the, the best part of Ric Flair and his woos is never the end of the sentence like, woo, it's the when he's working up to get to a point. It's just like, I know it's SummerSlam. Woo, I'm going to go against, you know, whoever. Triple H, <laughs> he's coming back. Woo, and what? Just the subtle woos in between yeah. the words. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no pause or anything. There, the, the pause is replaced with, woo, and it, it's so good. He, he's a beast on the mic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Huge, huge, huge influence just on, on everybody. And you could argue him and Dusty were maybe the best heel face promo ever. 
Absolutely. Now let's get into uh, maybe something that's not as fun. Uh, the Steelers recap against the 49ers. I was just telling you, um, I actually got tickets to the game. One of my customers gave me tickets um, like a, the day before the game. So I didn't even know until I was going. And when I went there, I have to say, like, there were a lot of 49ers fans and just the game was not fun to watch. I I saw like throughout the news that uh, a majority like of the crowd was San Francisco fans. I had no idea why that was or like. Like you I, said, you were there. What was the deal with that? I, I mean, I guess San Francisco is one of those teams like Pittsburgh and Dallas, I guess, that travels and, and they have fans everywhere. And it's one of those teams, too, where there are dynasties. So there's like people that are fans who aren't in the area. You know, there's how like people born in the 90s might be uh, Cowboys fans or a little bit before the 90s where they hit that adolescence where they're like the, the Cowboys. I think people are like that with the 49ers, too. They jumped on the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice bandwagon. And now they're still uh, 49er fans. But it doesn't explain to me why they would take over Pittsburgh, which uh, I was. I was almost embarrassed as a fan because there were so many people there. And it's the home opener. With all the hype that has come up with this whole team, with this defense, with George Pickens, with Kenny Pickett, we thought there was going to – I mean, I thought it was going to be a game. And San Francisco clearly, clearly was the better team. Yeah, and there's not much to say after that. I mean, they just were out physical the whole game, out coached. And uh, again, like I said, it's you hear all preseason, all offseason, it's all these great things, all these yinzers going off on how, you know, uh, George Pickens is the next Randy Moss and all this. Like, they were highlighting in like PFF and all these other websites are like highlighting. Uh, George Pickens makes this catch out of bounds. And I'm like, can we cover Tyreek Hill, who's going for 190 and counting? Yeah. Like, you know, but yeah, you hear stuff like that. They're saying Kenny Pickett's going to be nothing but improve this season. They show some flash in the preseason, and they call out. They, they run the same game plan they did the other 17 games of the season last year. And nothing was exciting. The, uh, just simple hooks, screens, Runs that go right into the center's back and fall. It was nothing. Do they know that there is green field between the hashes, let alone between the numbers even? Like, it it feels like everything goes to the outside. Or like we said before, it's they're trying to trick somebody. Or let's throw this end around. Or let's let's, uh, do a quick curl and hopefully they, they, they break loose. I... I don't remember seeing any balls that cross the center, um... I, the, the the one I saw kind of go close to the middle was the the Fryermuth touchdown, and he he set Fryermuth up to get blown up a couple plays before that. Yeah, I mean, and they didn't come away injury free either. That's going to be the biggest issue going forward. I don't think this team is good enough without a Cam Hayward on the field and what he brings to to it, just from a leadership standpoint. Fryermuth got blown up. Um, you know, even Najee looks like he's still nursing an injury. Deontay Johnson's going to be out potentially a month. Uh, Shuksakoa for uh, got concussed. So Dan Moore's going to be moving to the right side. And these are just injuries they're not good enough to overcome. Yeah. It, uh, watching that game, just, just from the get, they the Steelers won the kickoff and got the ball, and then three and out. Then the 49ers got the ball and just, uh, just imposed their will. They scored on their first drive, did they not? Or am I I'm remembering that wrong? That's correct. And this first half is the worst half I've seen. And even under the Canada era, I can't believe we're still in that. But yes, worst 
open or opening half ever to a football game. They were the worst football team to take a field this week. And it's pathetic. Opening drive, three and out for negative five yards. They they open it with a uh, you know simple curl hook, and then second play they call a reverse. Yeah, yeah. Immediately he wasted no time. My favorite part of the drive is before the thirty yard thirty four yard punt. The announcers were calling him Preston Harvin. Oh my God! Somebody called. I always hear Percy Harvin, but what he should be is fucking cut. Because he is trash, man. I swear, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, he has to have some blackmail on Mike Tomlin or something, or on Denny Smith, where he, like, I don't understand why they still have even some like guy that isn't even in pre- Brad Wing. Okay, I long for the days of Brad Wing. <laughs> yeah, I know, and even like it, it's thirty-four yard punt. Everyone on this team, everyone who's just watching the game knows that this guy is inconsistent, to say the very least. The announcers don't even know his name. And, right, like, why is he here? Brad Wing, who wasn't good, we we miss him. He's still a free agent, I think. Like, why not just bring in somebody? Like, even if this guy sometimes can punt it further, we need someone consistent. Special teams, I mean, it's a third of the game for a reason. Like, I mean, punting the ball, Ask the Jets, trading man. Long, these short fields for San Fran, you know, Kenny Pickett throwing these interceptions isn't as bad when your punters only punting the ball 30 yards. Yeah. It, yeah, it's ridiculous. Then, like you said, the Niners come down, and my favorite part is they score immediately. They throw to uh, Brandon Ayuk for his first score of the game right on Patrick Peterson, who's running his mouth, and he's going to guarantee an interception. And Purdy just comes right out and fires at Adam. Touchdown, 6 nothing, 49ers. And, I mean, you, you got to love it. I mean, you're talking a big game and you're not backing it up. And, I, like I said, they, I feel like they needed – I wanted to win this week, but it needs to be – it had to be ugly in some way. It needs to be a wake-up call. And if this guy's supposed to be the leader of the secondary and you're going to run your mouth, and you better back it up with your play and you didn't. Yeah. <sighs> I, there, there's no upside from that, and I believe Purdy said after the game, he was like, "Wasn't that second touchdown on Peterson?" <laughs> I didn't so, hear that. That's great. The I, second I, one was directly at him too. The first one, I think, may have been a zone, and he went into Peterson's zone. But that second touchdown was back shoulder <laughs> directly through Peterson, just bullet from Purdy. And I'll tell you what, the 49ers, their offense is. Well, their their entire team is so good, I mean, and and I do think that's one thing that that Steeler fans do need to remember is the Forty ers are are a you know one of the class of the NFL. They're a solid team. They're coached extremely well. Um, their offense have so many. I mean, Uzcheck, Kittle, um, Odebo. You have uh, McCaffrey out of the backfield and Ayuk. Like those five guys will line up anywhere. They can line up in any position. I saw Uzcheck out at wide receiver, and. He oh use check stiff arm the hell out of who Minka Fitzpatrick too yeah. <laughs> he I'll tell you what their offense is so impressive their defense Warner was all over the field yeah I think he's the only elite middle linebacker in today's game he's the only one that can play the position at a high level just due to role changes and like you said their offense like Brandon Ayuk's supposed to be option five or four or four or five on this offense and he's the one that's lighting up the scoreboard you know like they have a fear to you know, be a real contender in the NFC. Um, I mean, Purdy played absolutely fantastic. 
there was the time where he rode away from Fitzpatrick coming off a of blitz where yeah. he was unblocked. And, uh, you know, he just finds Debo immediately. Like, not only is that a good move by Purdy, but a red flag here. Like, if you're coming off the line unblocked and you're letting – like, it's one thing to let a Jalen Hurts break free, but you're letting Brock Purdy just shrug off an all-pro safety like that. Yeah. So, uh, I guess to get back to, to the Steelers' offense, and at least in the first half, it almost feels like they, they don't even have, like – I don't know, an identity even. Like, their identity is we suck and do end, end arounds with Matt Canada. Like, I don't know. I don't think anybody's afraid. The only time they showed any sign was in that, like, hurry-up style offense. And, I mean, that's not a sustainable thing. You can't be doing that all the time. And one thing I absolutely noticed, and I was saying this throughout the game, these it was three and out, three and out, three and out. All these three and outs and non-sustaining drives, like, the defense is on the field over and over again. I'm very interested to know what the time of possession breakdown would be, at least in the first half, if not the whole game, because it felt felt like San Francisco just imposed their will on both sides, or all three sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I have the first half data here. Uh, 77 total yards. Uh, one first down, which came with about a minute 20 left in the first half. McCaffrey almost had a longer single run than the Steelers had. And and the entire first wow, half. yeah, <laughs> uh, one of seven on third down, four punts, eight minutes fifty five seconds time of possession. Yeah, it felt like it was probably two to one. And get this, uh, Trent Williams, the uh, future Hall of Fame left tackle for San Fran, uh, actually quote quoted. He said, "At one point, you just kind of wanted the Steelers to get a first down." There were there were all those three and outs, and we just kind of needed a break. <laughs> that's so funny because that's like the best trash talk possible without even intending it. <laughs> right, it was amazing. Yeah. Just like so subtle but honest. Right. <laughs> but, but like I, I like what you said. There's no identity here. I heard after the game they said the 49ers took away the deep ball. What are you, I don't think the Steelers even attempted a deep ball. Ten yards like, is a deep ball for them. Right, like even the game script, the the plan, it was never get the ball downfield. It seemed like it was it was all these um, you know underneath things, curls. Um. In your opinion, do you think these wide receivers and running backs and stuff are buying into this offense? Like this is the second year, and they showed how bad there was some stat that was like uh, every team has had at least three four hundred yard games since two thousand twenty one, except for the Steelers. And that's when they hired Matt Canada. They're the only team to never have a 400-yard game of total offense. Yeah, I, I've had this thought. It was um, just looking at this roster and the coaching and what it is. Most people think this roster is good enough to compete. But I feel like it's either the reality is we either have a coaching staff that cannot keep up the times and cannot compete, or these players are not good enough. And it has to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hearing um, all, all offseason, we're crowning, you know, uh, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens, the best duo on paper of all time, apparently. And, uh, like, we're hearing all of this, and this is what they come out and do. And it's either they're just simply not that good. Like, they're not elevating each other. Uh, they're not creating separation. They're not consistent. Or it's they are actually talented. And the coaching staff is just conservative, not giving them opportunities. It or, feels like it does feel you know, like 
It feels like the coaches don't like. I I don't remember seeing route combinations that like will have somebody go down the sideline or something or cross in a deep post. There's no like confusing the defense with uh, crossing except for before the play, and everybody knows what it is. Like everybody knows the Steelers' offense, and I and you said the second play, the end around. Those first plays are scripted, man. You know that's what's going to happen. I the thing that that really blows my mind have have the Steelers had an end around that has gone for more than two yards? Like I would love to know the average yards gained on end arounds because it, it can't be more than the two. Best was Stephen Sims and they let him walk? I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Um. But yeah, yeah, it's like you said, no identity. I don't think the players are buying in, or these this coaching staff just isn't ready for it. Like I said, like so, second drive of the game. You know, we already said three plays for the first drive, negative five yards and a punt. Second drive, three plays, five yards, and Jadarius Ward picks off Kenny Pickett. So Ward it's allowed a five point six rating all day. Like, and it's not because he's a he's a good corner, but it's because the game plan or the players. I'm not sure what one it is, but it's it's not keep it's not competitive today, or these players simply aren't good enough. Like George Pickens, we see all the circus catches he makes, but is he like Calvin Johnson was able to overcome bad quarterback play? Larry Fitzgerald could, and on the contrary, if let's say he is struggling to create separation, the quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, are able to elevate the play of others, as you see with you know. Well, Lamar Jackson's never had great receivers, really. And uh, I'm not seeing Pickett or Pickens as a guy that can do that. Or maybe they are and I'm missing something. And I think that Pickens is definitely capable. but Or these coaches just don't know what they're doing. I I, I really have trouble. And I don't want to be the guy who blames Matt Canada because there's probably blame to go around. But I really think that the play call they set up and, like, I just think these end of rounds are such a like you don't see any other teams that are consistently doing these end of rounds, are you? Maybe I'm missing it, but no, I, no, I, I but don't like. There's no pre-snap motion that like the Chiefs and Dolphins bring to games or any sort. There's no creativity, and you need that in today's NFL in many ways. I think. Yeah. Um, and it I, almost I feels feel like, like they're the Steelers, so they're just going to beat everybody because that's their name. Right, like, are you calling end rounds because you know Najee's not good? Like, what what's the issue here? Like, he's been just not explosive since coming back these past couple of years. Uh, he actually got blown up by Fred Warner on that second drive, if you saw. Yeah. Just he hit the hole, ran directly to it, and met him there. Um, but no, no, how about Najee had, uh, right before the end of halftime, had that 24-yard run, but then he had 31 rushing yards all day. Yeah. Like it's, they, they averaged, um, 3.9 yards per play the whole day, six, three and outs PFF graded their O-line 26 out of 32. They allowed 23 pressures and Dan Moore surrendered nine all by himself. That's awful. It's just, yeah, it's awful. And then, you know, the third drive is another three and out for negative three yards and a punt. And there's a false start on that. Um, you know, stupid penalties just happened, too. There's a face mask on the following drive when they went three and out for negative 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And Fred Warner dropped the interception. And then, you know, they had another three and out, a punt that went for 36 yards. And uh, 
sixth drive of the first half was finally the 12 play touchdown drive where they finally got their first first down of the game. Um, you know, they, they actually had a missed offsides call in the San Fran and pick it under. Oh, yeah. Pickens. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely should have been. I, I thought that was a free play. Yeah. I think there was probably a miss, like miscommunication. And uh, it looked like Pickens slowed down on his route or Kenny just underthrew him. But it seemed like there was just like a misread there. But yeah, refs missed call on that, I think. Um, but even before Fryermuth scores the touchdown, uh, Pickett missed Johnson on a wide open ball that should have gone for a touchdown as well. Yeah. So what what are your main, I guess, takeaways uh, from the game um, in total? I think that you know across the league, thirty two teams, other than maybe Cincinnati, this was probably and well in the Giants. Giants were the worst team all week. Steelers were right next to them. You could argue this was a an absolute disaster. Looking back, I mean, San Fran is a competitive team, so hopefully it's just a wake-up call. But I don't know if overcoming these injuries, losing a Cam Hayward and Deontay Johnson is going to be enough for them to overcome Cleveland, who has a great offensive line and a physical run game and now has a quarterback that's coming into rhythm after an offseason. It's, it's not a good matchup on paper. I'm interested to see how the defense looks because I, I I know Shanahan is one of the better coaches. We'll see how they do against um, the Browns. It did feel like they they just did whatever they want. There was the Steelers couldn't attack the middle and they just gave up the middle. Yeah, and that's been the issue since like these linebackers. I I liked that uh, uh, Roberts and Holcomb were at least kind of running towards the ball carrier rather than waiting for them to come to them, like Devin Bush in the run game. <laughs> But still, same issues in coverage. Uh, middle of the field's open. And they didn't even use Kittle across the middle yeah. at all. It just able to slice slice you with uh, Ayuk. And Debo had 55. He contributed in a way. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey in the pass game as well as the run game where, you know, he had 150 yards on the ground. So, I mean, it's just they're not doing anything defensively. Now, without Cam Hayward, I'm, I'm concerned about it. All right. Let's uh you want to talk about next week then against Cleveland? Sure. Um Cleveland is coming off a monster week in Cincinnati. Um I heard the weather was a little bit of an issue too. So Cincinnati, I mean Burrow came off that calf injury, didn't play all preseason. So, you know, I, I feel like they kind of caught the Bengals off guard, kinda like Pittsburgh did last year. So they are one and oh, winning the division right now. And I just don't think from like it seemed like last year, every week it was the Steelers are the worst, and then they found a way to win somehow the following week. They do have that mentality, and they do tend to own Cleveland regardless. But I really think it's a bad matchup on paper for them without a Cam Hayward and a Deontay Johnson, and even Pat Fryermuth. If Fryermuth and Deontay can at least create, you know, an, a reason to take some look off, you know, Pickens or whoever, so. I feel like if they zero in on Pickens, it's going to be, it could be a field day, especially if uh, if Broderick Jones is making his debut or if they're kicking Dan Moore to right tackle like they did at the end of the last game. One of them at a new position or in a debut is going to have to block Miles Garrett. Yeah. And then Zedarius <laughs> Smith, who's playing a great role as a number two here. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm really concerned this week. 
Yeah, that's definitely not looking good. Chubb is always just a beast. Uh, I did have a lot of hope going in, and, and I think more so for the offense going in, just because they clicked on all cylinders in the preseason. And I I know not to get too hyped for the preseason because, you know, the other teams aren't playing their guys. Nobody really is putting their full game plan in. So it does give a lot of false hope. But I feel like it was. I'm going to get the bends from how far of a difference it was from how they looked in the preseason to how they look um, in the regular season now. How is uh? I mean, you said the pass rush will probably get to him. How are how's Cleveland's defensive backs? Uh, I like Denzel Ward, their number one corner. Um, he's clear. He's came off an injury, but played this uh, past week. I'm assuming he'd take on Pickens probably. I feel like naturally he would have taken on Johnson as a matchup, but if he's out, I think they'll just have him play the one. He's a Pro Bowl caliber, but outside of them, they're kind of young, I think. Um, definitely not like one that sticks out to you. Definitely capable of moving the ball on, but I feel like they have a good matchup, like I said, with Ward on Pickens that they should be able to, I think at least match up well with who we have if we're playing Allen Robinson or, you know, Calvin Austin. Right. What, um, in order for the Steelers to pull out a win, what do you think they would have to do? Or what would they have to avoid? Obviously turnovers, things like that. But, of, of, of you know, not including the obvious, what do you think they would have to do? Uh, TJ Watt's going to have to get four sacks and three fours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and score on all of them. And Mika Fitzpatrick's going to have to have two pick sixes. <laughs> Well, so one thing is um, Cleveland does have a great interior offensive line, but their tackles, they have a new right tackle now that Jack Coughlin is going to be done for the season. Um, PFF graded 65 tackles, and guess where uh, Guess where their tackles ranked? So Willis off the left side and Jones off the right side. Well, take, take a guess of where these guys graded I'm, out of I'm, 65. I'm guessing the fact that you're asking it has to be low. Um, I will say they're both under 50. Yeah, so Jones, the right tackle, was 58. Okay. Willis was 64. Okay. When I say under 50, I also meant, like, above that. So, like, they were worse. Right, than, right. Okay. So, so I didn't had, mean they were uh, 10. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they had uh, the 64th, so the second-to-worst guy playing left tackle last week. Unfortunately, Dan Moore was the only person worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so... St- <laughs> So, who who is worse at their given position, Dan Moore or Presley Harvin? Oh man, uh, or Devin Bush? Well, they're both just as inconsistent. <laughs> I could give you yeah. that. Um, yeah, uh, I think Harvin. I think Harvin I think might Harvin be too, one of the worst punters position. we've had. Yeah, but Moore's position is just so much more crucial. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Graded differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I think it's going to come down to Watts got to outplay Miles Garrett in many ways. Um, creating pressure, you just got to exploit their weakness, which right now is going to be that side of the line. Do you um, think? Do you sorry? Do you think anybody on defense is worried? Like, uh oh, hopefully Najee doesn't run for a buck twenty. Like, do you think that's ever happened? I, I don't remember the last time like anybody feared him, and he's really looking like not that good of a draft pick anymore. Not that he ever was because of the the position more than him as a as a player but it's it's looking like if you're going to draft somebody with your first pick they need to be making a bigger impact right and i don't think anyone's going to feel the fear the team with the injuries too like i said uh 
Cleveland actually brought in Zadarius Smith as well, who's going to be a, a, a real complimentary piece to Garrett, not Alex Highsmith, who's only able to produce when Cam Hayward and Watt are also in the game. Zadarius Smith graded four out of uh, edge rushers, and uh, Miles Garrett graded fifth. Yeah. So that's the, the thing, too, is um, if you're game planning this, this is a cakewalk for most defense coordinators. If you're playing this offense and you're telling me that Fryermuth and Johnson could potentially be out, I'm going to zero in everything on George Pickens yeah. and get in his head. And like you said, no one's fearing Najee. Yeah. But now that you can put some you can put a little bit more concern into the run game, knowing that they're hard at receiver and tight end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a tough one to overcome, and Pickett's going to have to step up, and uh, Pickens is the number one, pure number one this week's going to have to step up as well. I'm I, I'm concerned. I, I looked at this too. Pickett still no games where he threw multiple touchdown passes. Wow. That, I mean, I mean, I guess he's still basically a year in, and and there was one game this year, but that's something that needs to change like pretty quick. So we had ten quarterbacks this week alone throw for at least two. Yeah, <laughs> and listen to this list. Um, so we have Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence, which is fair. Trevor like, Lawrence had some really nice passes. Yeah, I'm I'm big on uh, Jacksonville this year. Easy division, and Tre- Trevor's the real deal. This isn't like the other Jacksonville teams that have been decent, but like they have like a legit star quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And a real coach, not one that's like kicking their players. <laughs> <laughs> so like those two are there. And then listen to these other guys. It's a bunch of guys we're told to hate. Uh, you know, Ru- Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Brock Purdy, all through two. Are those the only ones who did? And three guys threw for three. Okay, okay. I was going to say, if those are... Who who threw for three? Listen to the three-touchdown club. It's more obscure. <laughs> Tua. <laughs> Mac Jones. What? <laughs> Jordan Love. Dude, Jordan Love kind of showed up a little bit more than, than I thought. Um, Mac Jones. I can't believe Mac Jones is still playing. Like when he got when he first started, I was like, okay, this is a guy they're gonna bring in, like Brandon Whedon or somebody who's just gonna play for a year and then they're gonna draft somebody. But the thing with him and Tyler Huntley, like anybody goes to the Pro Bowl anymore. So I feel like you know that kind of shows like, oh, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Um, right. But you know, out of those guys, I mean, Tua Tua has a stacked team and. McDaniels knows how to coach him and that team, yeah. I think. So I think the Dolphins are going to be a real a real team to watch, assuming everybody's healthy, obviously. Tyreek Hill looks like the best receiver in the game. Or at least... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I, uh, I, I I think he's my week one MVP if I had to crown somebody. You want to crown their ass? Crown them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's... Uh, uh, did you pick the Steelers game, or do you want to just do that separately? Or like who you think is going to win at least? And then we'll they get into your picks. They have the Steelers as a home uh, underdog. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a two and a half point spread. Um, Pittsburgh's always the team you count out, and then they find a way to win. I feel like on paper, Cleveland's the better matchup, um, but I think I am going to stick with Cleveland because I think Cam Hayward is just that important to this team situationally. And just what he brings every single week. Um, 
we've had games without Watt, but we really haven't had any without Hayward. I'm interested to see how they respond to that. I think the game plan is simple enough to, um, like I said, I would get in Pickens' head too. I feel like, you know, last week he had a uh, penalty at the end of the game for, it, it was really unsportsmanlike, but they called it unnecessary roughness. And, uh, you know, I feel like he's he's shown signs, like I said last year, and people want to write it off, but I feel like he's shown signs of diva-ish behavior. For I sure. feel like if Cleveland gets in this guy's head, he has a chance to explode and start throwing uh, fits at people. You saw that he already liked a post that was targeted at Kenny Pickett that he tried denying. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like if they can get in his head, they could really uh, – to throw uh, Pickens and Pickens off each other's game here, and I think they could really struggle. Yeah, um, Cleveland's always one of those teams too, where you know the Steelers could just find a way to beat. The division games are always close, even when one team is mm-hmm. way better than the other. Although, if it is a blowout, I like the blowout in favor of Cleveland. Yeah, I think Nick Chubb is just so dynamic. Steelers were afraid to tackle McCaffrey, so you can bet they'll be afraid of <laughs> him as well. You know, I just I'm. I don't see a good matchup here for Pittsburgh, but it is just like if history repeats itself, they will find a way to win. But I'm going to stick with what I saw so far. I'm going to roll with Cleveland, actually. All right, then. Do you want to get into your picks, then? Sure. Absolutely. Let's uh, start with number one, then. Number one, believe it or not, uh, I kinda, I'm i big on Atlanta this year. They were my pick to win the division. Um I'm going to take them this week at home, plus one and a half against Green Bay. Um, Green Bay's coming off a big win, but that was against the Bears. Like they, like I said, they're kind of like the Browns to the Steelers. Like Green Bay has owned the Bears throughout their last like 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they found a way. Jordan Love looked great, but they, they were the worst team in the NFL last year. I think Atlanta's trending upwards. Um I think um, they're actually a team that has an identity. I feel like they're the only team in their division with a real identity. And uh, I think Green Bay is still trying to find that with Jordan Love. Um, They're going to run the football. Tyler Allegier had two touchdowns and 75 yards on the ground. Bijan Robinson, I think, is a stud. He he had a fantastic touchdown where he made a bunch of guys miss. Yeah, he can catch the ball, run the ball, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to be committed to running the football. That's what you need in a first-round running back. But yeah, a guy can do it all. I don't know if he'll be sustainable. We'll see. But yeah. I like I like him as a as a guy at least for three three years. We'll is, see. is the NFC South the worst division in football? Yeah, I, I would say easily the worst division. In they, they don't have a, like a, a team that. They don't. They they're going to be the the eight and nine team that makes the playoffs. Yeah, the, it's the worst division because I mean I mean we'll see with Detroit. I thought they'd take a step back even though they beat Kansas City. So maybe you know eating my words there, but I feel like they could easily be a team better than every team in you know the NFC South. All right, let's. But uh, no, I was just um, still yeah. Atlanta. Green Bay has also surrendered uh, seventh most rushing yards last week, and that was to. The Bears, I think Atlanta, with their offensive line, would do a better job. And Aaron Jones and Christian Watson are actually banged up. We'll see if they suit up. And uh, Green Bay, actually, last week, only had 2.9 yards per rush attempt. That's pretty bad. Yeah, bad. I still hear some accuracy issues with Jordan Love. And uh, Ritter has been efficient, 15 of 18 last week, still no interceptions. Not putting up big numbers, but... 
he's not turning the ball over. So, I mean, I feel like they'll find a way to control the clock. I'm going to take Atlanta at home. All right. Number two, then. Um, I'm going to take Seattle plus five and a half against Detroit. Um, Seattle's coming off a lousy week, and there's something about teams that struggle one week. They tend to bounce back when they're coming from a competitive and winning culture. Um, and simply, I think five and a half points is a, is a whole bunch, especially for a competitive team like Seattle. Uh, the Lions, actually, their run defense allowed the fourth most yards and touchdowns last year with a 5.2 average to running backs. Seattle likes to run the ball. Um, Kenneth Walker, I think, and their rookie second-round running back should be able to find some holes on this defense. And uh, Jamal Adams and uh, um, uh, Devin Witherspoon, early draft choice, they hope to play this week. Uh, Charles Cross, Tyler Lockett, they should return, even they brought in Jason Peters. So I think one of their tackles maybe out for a while, which is a step back. But I hear Lockett should be back, and hopefully Charles Cross can suit up too. I think Seattle has a very talented team this week. It's just whether Geno Smith will be what he was last year. He did lead the NFC in touchdown passes last year. And Detroit's defense tends to give up big plays. And uh, Detroit may win it at home, but give me Seattle with points. All righty, number three. Number three, I'm going to take it back to Miami. So Miami, uh, minus two and a half against New England. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Um, two was 4-0 in his career against the Patriots. New England, I was impressed with last week. Mac Jones in particular and Kendrick Bourne against Philly. They were able to move the ball. And, uh, you know, I was actually impressed with some of the throws Mac Jones was making. But I think the Dolphins' just high-powered offense will be hard to keep up. New England has a much better defense than the Chargers, which is a mess. So I don't think we'll be seeing, you know, 40 points by any means. But I like them to cover two and a half points, win by at least a field goal here. Dolphins did not go two straight possessions without scoring last week. McDaniels, he just schemes, you know. I, I love the play call and the creativity. And I love how he's like almost like a rain of football. He's sending Tyreek Hill in various motions. Hmm. That by the time the ball snapped, he's reaching his top speed. Yeah, it, it's just very creative. They averaged eight point two yards a play last week, ten point four yards per pass, and seventeen plays went for fifteen yards or more. They're explosive, and I like them to cover. How? Let me ask you this: Is is there a better? college QB room than what they were talking about with Mac Jones, Tua, and Jalen Hurts. And if you have to pick one of those right now, who's your quarterback? Well, definitely in recent years, definitely the best quarterback room. Uh, Sean Watson and Trevor Lawrence was good too, but if I had to pick one, I would go with Bama's guys for now. Who was um, like Cam Newton with before Auburn? Florida? Uh, so was Florida. he with Tebow? Yeah, they had him and Tebow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, actually, if you're looking just strictly college football, that's fair. Oh, yeah, if you're looking for college, but I'm saying NFL. I think that's they probably translate yeah. the best, which is strange because yeah. Alabama, I don't know. I feel like you don't necessarily see quarterback Alabama, at, at least uh, historically. I think more like running back, but that the, the quarterbacks there anymore have been studs. Yeah, yeah. Although I, anyone I, I, there anymore is a stud. If, if they go to uh, Alabama or Georgia or, you know, any of those SEC schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would put Hertz at number one, though. Uh, out of For that. sure. I'm a, still a Hertz guy. Uh, 
he's been to a Super Bowl, and I like his mobility in addition to what he can do in the past game. But I would put Tua at two for now. He puts up probably the best numbers, but his team is substantially better. Matt Jones, like, he doesn't have – he's never had good receivers. He's never really had a two. He's never had a one for sure. And uh, his coaches are – like, he had a defensive head coach yeah. his whole career and a defensive guy that was calling offensive plays for him last year when he regressed. Tua's had a lot more support, and so's uh, Hurts than Mac. So, could you see Mac Jones? And this, there's no speculation of this happening at all. But I'm saying, and, and I know the Commanders are a dumpster fire of an organization, although they just have new ownership. Could you see like Mac Jones going to Washington and being like an actual stud? Washington, uh, or maybe not Washington, but I'm saying like a team without like a legit quarterback that actually is more of an offensive. I think, like, uh, San Fran was big on him. Kyle Shanahan, I think, actually preferred him to uh, uh He seems perfect with that kind of offense. Yeah, so I feel like he would fit there, but anyone would, like you say. Um, Washington, potentially, like, Terry McLaurin's never had a quarterback to help him reach his potential. And, uh, you know, Max never had a good receiver. Like, he could definitely, yeah, I feel like he wins games in New England. He could win some games, too, elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, that was just a random spot, but it's like a, a spot, I don't remember really a, a good quarterback playing there in forever. Like, Jason Campbell was supposed to be good, and he wasn't, and RG3 was supposed to be good, and then he wasn't. And, you know, you see all these guys. Um, Carson Wentz was supposed to be good, and yeah. then wasn't. Like, you, you see all these guys. I don't know if there's a franchise in the NFL who was, like, signed worse people. They, no, they, didn't they sign yeah, Albert Hainsworth? Yeah, they gave him like the first hundred million dollar deal. <laughs> yeah, they, they just sign everybody past their prime and stuff. Albert Hainsworth is one of the Josh worst Norman. signings of all time. <laughs> and Josh Norman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. It's just like they bring in guys to to like sell a jersey from three years ago, and then it's nothing. <laughs> it's like signing Patrick Peterson. All right, JP, let's go to number four then. Number four, I like, um, I'm going to take the Saints this week, minus three against Carolina. Um, to me, Carolina, uh, Bryce Young's making a second career start. Struggled in that first outing, uh, two interceptions and a fumble. I think that, uh, you know, he's undersized, but they traded away DJ Moore and all their draft picks, like, and they don't have the weapons to help a rookie young quarterback right now. It's going to be easier for Carr as a veteran to come in and make some plays here. Um, and like I said, Bryce Young struggled big time to find wide receivers. Offensive line struggled. Um, they, uh, I heard, yeah, Bryce Young was pressured on over 48% or 45% of his dropbacks. Um, and, you know, Saints can get after the quarterback. They're going to they have a great secondary. Um, they had three interceptions off Tannehill last week. And despite having 24 more plays in nine and a half minutes of possession against the Falcons, uh, the Panthers only averaged 3.9 yards a play and still lost by 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Saints should come in here and win by at least a touchdown, despite having to go on the road. Uh, Carr, uh, he threw for over 300 yards, looked pretty good this week. And I think the Saints should, should take this one. All right, let's do your last one at number five. And number five, uh, I can't believe it, but for the second week, I think the Vegas might be my favorite pick of the week. They are, 
they just moved the line from eight and a half to to nine and a half. I have no idea why, but Vegas plus nine and a half against Buffalo this week. Oh wow, that is strange because Buffalo did not look good. No, I, I don't get that at all. I thought if anything, because I checked before to see if it would have went down, but no, it went up nine and a half. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge line here. So yeah, I, I like Vegas here. Um, Vegas offensive line last week against Denver um, actually only allowed three pressures and no sacks. So they match up well with the Buffalo's D-line, who's going to be rushing Grapplow all day. Um, and the Bills, man, just last week were a mess. They allowed 172 rushing yards and 6.1 yards per carry to the Jets, who have no offensive line. <laughs> 6.1 uh, is insane. Yeah, this is crazy. It's crazy to me. And now they're saying, uh, and we're all, everyone's loving Josh Allen and hates Jimmy G. And Jimmy G, again, continues to win, wins over 70% of his starts. And Josh Allen alone last week, four turnovers. Um, He has no playmakers outside of Diggs. He was sacked five times. And uh, do you know, since Brian Dayball left, Josh Allen in turnovers leads the league in interceptions and fumbles combined by a substantial margin margin i think in the past like two seasons it's 30 or so yeah i believe that i was just going to ask because we were talking about uh new england with a defensive mining coach you see pittsburgh with a defensive mining coach and uh, uh sean mcdermott up in buffalo is pretty defensive minded coach with uh dable who left i mean is do you think that is all it is and then uh, what do you expect going forward? Is this some, is this what Josh Allen is, or is he going to bounce back, or is it maybe just he had a good offensive coordinator? Although he's not I looking great in New Jersey in uh, New York right now. Right, a lot of his he's his mechanics get very sloppy. You could tell, and now he's back to just wanting to run through guys and throw the deep ball, kind of like at Wyoming. Yeah, it's like that's not going to work at the NFL. Uh. Daniel Jones last year, the Giants were substantial last year, which no one expected. Right. Right. And I think it's a lot of it is, um, you know, the coaching. Uh, Josh Allen has the most turnovers since joining the NFL in 2018. He's sloppy, but he cleaned it up when he had Dayball. And I think a lot of it is being a product of that. Um, I don't like that uh, McDermott's now calling plays for their defense. Leslie Frazier just disappears which means there is drama there that no yeah. one's talking about. He just wanted to take a year off. I feel like there's drama there. There's drama with Diggs. I feel like if they continue to lose, Diggs isn't going to hold back. I feel like there's drama between him, maybe with him and Allen or him and coach the coaches. But, uh, yeah, outside of him, they don't have any playmakers. And I feel like, you know, Josh Allen is definitely dynamic, but he's, he's sloppy. All, like, He's not taking the layups. I feel like Dayball told him when to take, you know, the the easy way out just to expand drives rather than having to go for the home run every time. And now that he's going for these home runs, it's leading to turnovers instead of touchdowns. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how the Bills do this year. They're, they're a favorite by a lot of people to, to be a serious contender, if not win the Super Bowl. You see Josh Allen on the cover of Madden. Like th- this is a team that has a lot of hype around them. 
I could see maybe it, it being a slippery slope and a couple things go the wrong way. Stephon Diggs is in everyone's face. It could be like how you were saying with Pickens. Like, if I was the Bills, why wouldn't you play the Bills the same way with the Steelers anymore? Get in the right. number one receiver's face, double him, triple him, really, at that point, and just rush him. Make somebody else beat you. Yeah, no one's afraid of Gabe Davis beating them or any of these running backs or Isaiah McKenzie. Like, they just brought in uh, Dalton Kincaid to run more two tight end sets, and it's like, you're a home run team. you got to get another wide receiver here. Um, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Buffalo, like I said, I, I predicted a step back. I think uh, there's drama here. I think Miami wins the division. And uh, while well, Aaron Rodgers being done for the year is not going to help the Jets by any means, which, like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. All, all the offseason hype, you know, and now it's just – I was interested to see. I think the one who's going to suffer the most is Garrett Wilson because I bet he was in line to make a bunch of money. I mean, not that Rodgers was going to be great, but I think think that uh, Wilson is solid. He's an offensive rookie of the year, and I really think he could have had even taken it to another step. But, I mean, I Uh guess we'll see. That defense is a championship-caliber defense. If you saw it, it was terrific. Garrett Wilson's terrific. Run game's amazing. That offensive line, Rodgers was hit every snap. All when four. He was there. Yeah. He was already injured. <laughs> yeah. God. And and I uh, from what I heard, like you could tell Rodgers was upset with the offensive line for a while. Yeah, and you could tell and they've been struggling. Now they're back to Zach Wilson who his teammates hate him and <laughs> now we're you know, this is gonna be a, another mess for the Jets. New, new, if Buffalo takes a step back here, what if New England might be onto something like push for a wild card that might be a like bet to make playoffs new england here bet it early now we're, we're talking about the nfc south kind of being bad and that that afc east there which makes me think is the afc north better than we think a- afc north i think is still a very good division i feel like oddly enough if every team was healthy they would be playoff contenders yeah I feel like maybe Pittsburgh and Cleveland miss, you know, like maybe they as long as they have a non-losing record, JP, that's what matters. Sure. The standard is the standard. Absolutely. (laughs) Don't live in your fear. I I had this, they said too. uh, a lot of guys are saying the jets should trade for Stafford because the Rams may feel like they're closer to Caleb Williams or Drake may than they are to the Eagles or 49ers. And I'm thinking, why don't we just do the same thing? <laughs> we ain't close to the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like Stafford's probably near the, nearing the end, too, and you can't just you know throw somebody in. The, uh, also, like, it doesn't matter who's there. If the quarterback's on his ass the whole time, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, the Jets, they need to pick offensive linemen. Go out, find an O-line for next year. Just simple as that because that team looks – looks ready gone are the days of nick mangold and debrica shaw ferguson yeah absolutely and alan, alan fanica yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holy shit was that that long ago so i'm, I'm referencing the 2000 like nine jets <laughs> yeah so, great offensive line i mean rex ryan was such a funny coach that was when they had the sanchise then yeah sanchise but great team too too bad they were never able to like get over the hump yeah they were they went back to back afc championship games i think and then lost both yeah, yeah. As Steelers beat them the one time, but losing to Green Bay, it kind of makes me wish like Sanchez went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> if Sanchez beat uh, Rodgers <laughs> in the biggest game of the year, that would be that would be awesome. 
but uh, but not the case. Anyway, you, uh, my last thing, and then we're going to wrap this up. Speaking of uh, Mark Sanchez, you see uh, almost butt fumble too, not exactly, but Josh Allen running into his own guy fumbling it. Yeah, I heard Sanchez, I think, made a joke about it, uh, <laughs> which was pretty funny. I'll um, tell you what. Yeah, I'll... no, that's great for him because it was like when Jimmy G did the Dan Orlovsky, like this weight that was lifted. Yeah. Off <laughs> it's really that. Um, they need, yeah. uh, Leon Lett needs somebody to score the wrong direction or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but wait, who was, wait, was Leon Lett the guy that did that or was he the, I thought uh, maybe the cowboy that showboated. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe it was of the Viking that ran. It was a Viking. It was. Oh, who the fuck was that? I can't. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, yeah, what did Leon let do that? Bynum, but that was the guy that fumbled for the Browns against Denver on the drive. Yeah. Or oh. it, no, it was the fumble. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Was the fumble followed by the drive, or is that a different game? That's a different game because it was two years in a row. But it was the. It wasn't at the Broncos and the Browns both times. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. times. But yeah. Um, Two different games, two AFC title games. Wow. But, yeah, what I'm saying, too, is, like, Jimmy G doesn't even need to win this week for you to win money. He just needs to keep it with a nine and a half against Buffalo, who's just, who knows? Like, I feel like that that's a pretty pretty safe bet. Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall. Okay. That's right. That's right. Then what the hell did Leon let do? Did, did, is he the one who, fuck, I can't remember what he, he did. He showboated for the Cowboys and the tight end on the Bills in the Super Bowl, like, got a touchback because he knocked the ball out. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. That was like, uh, what's his name? Like, BB or somebody chased him down. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> oh, who was the one? He was a, a punt returner for the Bills. Steve Tasker? Was that him, maybe? I don't remember who it was. Anyway, let's uh, wrap this up. The last thing I'll say is Josh Allen is my fantasy quarterback, and I drafted Travis Kelsey in the first round of that league, so my team is not looking good so far. Um, but hopefully they'll back bounce back. I'm not. I'm already out of it in my fantasy league. So, JP, anything you want to wrap up on? No, it's just, you know, hope, hope for a week two victory and uh... – you, you go 0-2 and, and another team in your division's 2-0 for win over you. That's uh, difficult to overcome. So standard better be the standard, and we better uh, at least get our nine wins. Yeah, those, those division wins mean uh, twice as much pretty much. So, JP, thank you as always uh, for taking the time to talk with me about all things NFL. Um, everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. Listen to regular Poor Man's Podcast every week. Uh, listen to a new episode I have coming out uh, this Friday at the end of the week. You can go back and listen to it. I'm teaming up with James Sanders. He is a science communicator specializing in astrophysics and cosmology. I sit down and talk to him about black holes for about an hour, and it is one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever had. I can't recommend that enough, so stay tuned for that. JP, we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. All right, then. For Sports Guy JP, I'm Chris. Thank you for listening. I'm going to say I'm so happy that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412 Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412 and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. In my opinion, that sucked. You play to win the game. You like that? You like that? But they are who we thought they were.
Drake Cash, homie.